Chapter 20 of The Necessity of Atheism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Wesseling. The Necessity of Atheism by David Marshall Brooks. Chapter 20 Contemporary Opinion. THE VANGUARD Let us make no mistake. Great minds are skeptical. The strength and the freedom which arise from exceptional power of thought express themselves in skepticism. A mind which aspires to great things and is determined to achieve them is of necessity skeptical. Nietzsche Bertrand Russell my own view on religion is that of Lucretius. I regard it as a disease born of fear, and as a source of untold misery to the human race. I cannot, however, deny that it has made some contributions to civilization. It helped in early days to fix the calendar, and it caused Egyptian priests to chronicle eclipses with such care that in time they became able to predict them. These two services I am prepared to acknowledge, but I do not know of any others. Max Carl Otto It is my conviction that the happiest and noblest life attainable by men and women is jeopardized by reliance upon a superhuman cosmic being for guidance and help. I know, of course, that God has been defined in various terms. I do not choose among them for it seems to me indisputable that those who turn to God, however God be defined, do so because, consciously or unconsciously, they seek there the satisfaction of wants, the worth of living, and security for what they passionately prize, which they have not found, and despair of finding in the human venture as they know it. Reliance upon God for what life does not afford has, in my opinion, harmful consequences. It diverts attention from the specific conditions upon which a better or a worse life depends. It leads men to regard themselves as spectators of a course of events which they in reality help to determine. It makes the highest human excellence consist in acquiescence in the supposed will of a being that is defined as not human, a being that is above the driving force of impulse that does not experience vacillating moods or conflicting desires, that is never harassed by doubts or misled by ignorance. Theism is in essence repressive, prohibitory, ascetic. The outcome of its influence is that expertness in practical living and expertness in evaluating life, instead of uniting to take advantage of a common opportunity, are set against each other. This is the profound dualism which remains to be mastered. It can be mastered by the concentration upon human needs and powers. John Dewey The method we term scientific forms for the modern man, and the man is not modern merely because he lives in 1931, the sole dependable means of disclosing the realities of existence. It is the sole authentic mode of revelation. This possession of a new method, to the use of which no limits can be put, 
signifies a new idea of the nature and possibilities of experience. It imports a new morale of confidence, control, and security. C. E. M. Jode All through the century, 19th, whenever and wherever there is a movement for change and betterment, the clergy are found opposing it. In this, they are merely carrying on the tradition of their order. When one looks back over history, one realizes that there is scarcely any discovery which science has made for human advancement and happiness, which churchmen and theologians have not violently opposed. Not content with burning each other, they burnt the men who discovered the earth's motion, burnt the men who made the first tentative beginnings of physics and chemistry, burnt the men who laid the foundations of our medical knowledge. Bad as has been the church's record in the past, it has not greatly improved in the present. For two thousand years, teachers and preachers have striven, by inculating the principles and precepts of Christianity, to mold men's character and to improve their conduct. Yet we still have our prisons, our judges, and our wars. And it remains today as it has done for two thousand years past, an arguable question whether men are better or worse than they were before Christianity was introduced. William Pepperell Montague If we will for a moment imagine the Bible to have come suddenly to our attention today, unencumbered by a tradition of divine authority and with no more sacredness than a newly discovered writing of ancient China or Egypt, we can see quite readily that it would occur to nobody who took the work merely on its merits either to accept it as scientifically or historically true, or to twist its statements into a far-fetched allegory of the truth. Religion will be outmoded, and its tidings of escape to another and better world will ring cold in the ears of those who love this. The new worldliness that religion must face is based on the faith that there is not only no place for heaven, but no need for it. Humanity, adolescent at last, has tasted the first fruits of the victory of secular intelligence over nature, and dreams grandly of far greater victories to come. Erwin Edmund The hope of the world certainly lies in intelligence. Certainly there is no hope anywhere else. I cannot look to anything so remotely definable as God for aid, nor do I ever regret not being able to do so. Walter Lippmann Many reasons have been adduced to explain why people do not go to church as much as they once did. Surely the most important reason is that they are not so certain that they are going to meet God when they go to church. If they had that certainty, they would go. If they really believed that they were being watched by a supreme being who is more powerful than all the kings of the earth put together, if they really believed that not only their actions but their secret thoughts were known and would be remembered by the Creator and ultimate judge of the universe, there would be no complaint whatever about church attendance. The most worldly would be in the front pews, and preachers would not have to resort so often to their rather desperate expedients to attract an audience. 
If the conviction were there that the creed professed was invincibly true, the modern congregation would not come to church as they usually do today to hear the preacher and to listen to the music. They would come to worship God. H. L. Mencken Alone among the great nations of history, we have got rid of religion as a serious scourge, and by the simple process of reducing it to a petty nuisance. For men become civilized, not in proportion to their willingness to believe, but in proportion to their readiness to doubt. The more stupid the man, the larger his stock of adamantine assurances, the heavier his load of faith. When Copernicus proved that the earth revolved around the sun, he did not simply prove that the earth revolved around the sun. He also proved that the so-called revelation of God, as contained in the Old Testament, was rubbish. The first fact was relatively trivial. It made no difference to the average man then, as it makes no difference to him today. But the second fact was of stupendous importance, for it disposed at one stroke of a mass of bogus facts that had been choking the intelligence and retarding the progress of humanity for a millennium and a half. I believe that religion, generally speaking, has been a curse to mankind, that its modest and greatly overestimated services on the ethical side have been more than overborne by the damage it has done to clear and honest thinking. Horace M. Callan It is a significant trait of history that the times and nations most distinguished for piety are also most distinguished for backwardness. Tsarist Russia and contemporary Spain are near examples, but illustrations may be drawn from any part of the world. The southern states of the United States of America, for instance. Everywhere the scope and intensity of belief in the supernatural seem to be directly proportional to the misery and weakness of the believer. One compensates for the other. Freedom of speech and of press and discussion, which means generally restraint of all interference in the amicable threshing out of conflicting opinions, means, with respect to religious beliefs, refraining from talking, writing, or discussing candidly at all. In every society, belief in the supernatural is privileged belief, and there accrue to it all the advantages and disadvantages of privilege. But mystics and religionists are not silent. On the contrary, they become, having passed through a religious experience, voluble. Albert Einstein I do not believe we can have any freedom at all in the philosophical sense, for we act not only under external compulsion, but also by inner necessity. I cannot imagine a God who rewards and punishes the objects of his creation, whose purposes are modeled after our own, a God, in short, who is but a reflection of human frailty. Neither can I believe that the individual survives the death of his body, although feeble souls harbor such thoughts through fear or ridiculous egotism. It is enough for me to contemplate the mystery of conscious life perpetuating itself through all eternity, to reflect upon the marvelous structure of the universe which we can dimly perceive, 
and to try humbly to comprehend even an infinitesimal part of the intelligence manifested in nature. Luther Burbank Our lives as we live them are passed on to others, whether in physical or mental forms, tinging all future lives forever. This should be enough for one who lives for truth and service to his fellow passengers on the way. No avenging Jewish god, no satanic devil, no fiery hell is of any interest to him. The scientist is a lover of truth for the very love of truth itself, wherever it may lead. Every normal human being has ideals, one or many, to look up to, to reach up to, to grow up to. Religion refers to the sentiments and feelings. Science refers to the demonstrated everyday laws of nature. Feelings are all right if one does not get drunk on them. Prayer may be elevating if combined with works, and they who labor with head, hands, or feet have faith and are generally quite sure of an immediate and favorable reply. Those who take refuge behind theological barbed wire fences quite often wish they could have more freedom of thought, but fear the change to the great ocean of scientific truth as they would a cold bath plunge. Sir Arthur Keith Certainly the creative power which is at work bears no resemblance to the personal God postulated by the Hebrews and the modern man of science cannot fit him into the scheme of the world as he knows it. He has to try to reconceive God, and when he has done so, nothing but an unsatisfying abstraction is left. It is unsatisfying because even the greatest men of science, although they possess the intellects of giants, still have the hearts of children. And children cling to that which is endowed with a human shape and has been given the warmth of living flesh. H. Levy A structure of absolute moral and religious beliefs, erected initially as beyond criticism, imposed upon a changing society from above rather than emerging from below, has no affinity with science, whatever personal solace and comfort it may provide for it assumes that the facts of life, including the material facts of the world, can be compassed within a rigidly prescribed framework. It has taken several centuries of history for the scientific movement to be emancipated from just these cramping human assumptions. The writings of many scientists show, alas, that the emancipation has not yet been completed. J. B. S. Haldane we know very little about what may be called the geography of the invisible world. The religions, if I may continue the metaphor, have covered the vacant spaces of its map with imaginary monsters. The philosophies have ruled them with equally imaginary parallels of latitude. But both have affirmed, in opposition to the so-called practical man, that the meaning of the visible world is to be found in the invisible. That has been the secret of their success. They have failed when they tried either to describe the details of the visible world or to dictate the details of conduct in it. The churches are half empty today because their creeds are full of obsolete science, 
and their ethical codes are suited to a social organization far simpler than that of today. Howard W. Haggard, M.D. When, in the 5th century, the Roman Empire fell at the hands of the barbarians, rational medicine ceased altogether in Europe. Although the Christian religion survived, the Christian theology of that time denied liberty of conscience and taught superstitions and dogma. It was bitterly hostile to the scientific spirit. All knowledge necessary to man's salvation, physical as well as spiritual, was to be found in the Bible as the Church interpreted the Bible. Since the teachings of the Church were supposed to be sufficient for all needs, there was no excuse for observations and experimental investigations. The inquisitive spirit was wholly suppressed. The rigorous methods of Greek logic were for many centuries lost from European civilization, and intelligent thought was replaced by revelation, speculation, tradition, and subservience to the written word of the Bible, to the writings of saints, and later, in medical matters, to the work of Galen. The theological beliefs of the time became the controlling influence in Western civilization. Harry Elmer Barnes. There has never been any religious crisis of this kind before, and any attempt at exact comparisons with the past are here bound to be misleading and distorting. Even the extreme assailant of pagan religions, like Lucretius, had no basis for the critical attitude as the contemporary skeptic. The bitter attack of Lucretius upon supernatural religion was based mainly upon assumptions and intuitions, as incapable of proof at the time as were the most extreme pietistic views of his age. Today, the situation has been profoundly altered. Contemporary science, especially astrophysics, renders the whole set of assumptions underlying the anthropomorphic and geocentric supernaturalism of the past absolutely archaic and preposterous. Our scientific knowledge has undermined the most precious tales in the holy books of all peoples. The development of biblical criticism has discredited the dogma of direct revelation and unique nature of the Hebrew Bible. Textual scholarship has been equally devastating to the sacred scriptures which form the literary basis of the other world religions. It avails one nothing to deny these things, for they are actually undeniable. We must face the implied intellectual revolution honestly and see what is to be done about it. George Jean Nathan to be thoroughly religious, one must, I believe, be sorely disappointed. One's faith in God increases as one's faith in the world decreases. The happier the man, the farther he is from God. Rupert Hughes It is important that the truth be known. Is religion, is church membership a help to virtue? The careless will answer without hesitation, yes, of course. The statistics, when they are not smothered, cry no. Who she? On the basis of biological, sociological, and historical knowledge, we should recognize that the individual self is subject to death and decay. But the sum total of individual achievement, 
for better or for worse, lives on in the immortality of the larger self. That to live for the sake of the species and posterity is religion of the highest kind, and that those religions which seek a future life either in heaven or in the pure land are selfish religions. Dr. Frankwood E. Williams In these difficult times, we are told that we should go to the temple, that we should get in touch with God. We do not need the temple. We do not need to get in touch with God. We need to get in touch with each other. William Floyd This Bible bears every evidence of being a book like every other book, conceived by man, written by man, altered by man, translated by man, printed by man. But, and this is where it differs from every other book, the Bible is swallowed by man. And it has disagreed with him. Man has not digested it properly through lack of sufficient dissection of its parts. It has been taken with a spiritual sauce that has disguised its real flavor. Anything in the Bible, no matter how raw, is taken as God's food. It is used to demonstrate problems of diet which do not provide a balanced ration. It is accepted by the gullible, though contradicted by the revelations of geology, astronomy, anthropology, zoology, and biology. Taken as prescribed by the doctors of divinity, the Bible is a poisonous book. Clewellyn Powys The idea of an incarnation of God is absurd. Why should the human race think itself so superior to bees, ants, and elephants as to be put in this unique relation to its maker? Christians are like a council of frogs in a marsh, or a synod of worms on a dunghill, croaking and squeaking, for our sakes was the world created. Theodore Dreiser And why again, composed though we may be of this, that, and the other proton, electron, etc., etc., why should we not in some way be able to sense why we are as we are, assembled as we are of the same ultimate atoms, and doing as we do? Why? Good God, surely in the face of all this sense and aliveness and motion, and this and that, there should be some intimation of why. But no, none. Upton Sinclair It is a fact, the significance of which cannot be exaggerated, that the measure of the civilization which any nation has attained is the extent to which it has curtailed the power of institutionalized religion. There are a score of great religions in the world, each with scores or hundreds of sects, each with its priestly orders, its complicated creed and ritual, its heavens and hells. Each has its thousands or millions or hundreds of millions of true believers. Each damns all the others, with more or less heartiness, and each is a mighty fortress of graft. THE MIDDLE GUARD It is terrible to die of thirst at sea. Is it necessary that you should salt your truth, that it will no longer quench thirst? Nietzsche Alfred North Whitehead Indeed, 
History, down to the present day, is a melancholy record of the horrors which can attend religion. Human sacrifice, and in particular the slaughter of children, cannibalism, sensual orgies, abject superstition, hatred as between races, the maintenance of degrading customs, hysteria, bigotry, can all be laid at its charge. Religion is the last refuge of human savagery. Robert Andrews Millikan The anthropomorphic god of the ancient world, the god of human passions, frailties, caprices, and whims, is gone, and with him the old duty to propitiate him, so that he might be induced to treat you better than your neighbor. Can anyone question the advance that has been made in diminishing the prevalence of these medieval, essentially childish, and essentially selfish ideas? The new God is the God of law and order, the new duty to know that order and to get into harmony with it, to learn how to make the world a better place for mankind to live in, not merely how to save your individual soul. However, once destroy our confidence in the principle of uniformity, our belief in the rule of law, and our effectiveness immediately disappears, our method ceases to be dependable, and our laboratories become deserted. Albert C. Diefenbach The plain truth is, thousands upon thousands of men and women have gone out of the church. They take no stock in its obsolete teachings to which they once subscribed in order to become members. After great tribulation, they have made their declaration of religious independence. They have taken the right turn for their own salvation. The churches as a whole do not know that today there is a violent intellectual revolution among all people who think. The so-called theism that is embalmed in the old theology and is still preached is utterly defunct for many persons of this generation. Like it or not, that is a fact. Dr. Charles W. Eliot the creeds of the churches contain conceptions of God's nature and of his action toward the human race which are intolerable to the ethical mind of the twentieth century. The conception of one being, human or divine, suffering, though innocent, for the sins of others, is revolting to the universal sense of justice and fair dealing. No school, no family, no court would punish the innocent when the guilty were known. This conception of God is hideous, cruel, insane, and no Christian church which tolerates it can be efficient in the promotion of human welfare and happiness. End of chapter 20 End of the Necessity of Atheism by Dr. David Marshall Brooks